0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information
1: and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. You're listening
0: to Radical Philosophy at 8.55am. This is Susan Wolfe from the University of North Carolina.
1: Like some food for thought? Tune in to Radical Philosophy with discussions on freedom, happiness, knowledge, evil and rational argument. With words from Hawthorne, Patman, Jenkins, Hutchinson, Hirsi Ali and Plumwood, let's get radical about philosophy. If God is male, then male is God. Mary Daly. Now, I've got an interview today, a fantastic interview with Professor Ruth Hagengruber. Now, she's the head of the philosophy department at the University of Paderborn. Uh, She is professor of philosophy and founder and director of the teaching and research area, History of women philosophers and scientists and they aim at renewing the long-lasting traditions of women philosophers and i'm speaking to professor ruth hagengruber
0: welcome to the program Thank you, Beth, for having me here. I'm happy to be here.
1: Oh, it's great that you've taken time out of your busy schedule in Melbourne to come on to Radical Philosophy. Now, what was it that inspired your interest in the history of philosophy and, in particular, the history of women in philosophy?
0: Oh, this is a very long story because I have to start and to, to, to speak about my when I was young. I read with about 12 years Simone de Beauvoir, and I do not remember very much which uh, book it was. But then I wrote even to the Radio Vatican because I had read the book on the Pope Johanna and I thought, oh, the world is really in need of intelligent women. And I didn't have any idea because we were three daughters at home and much praised by our father and by our mother too. So I thought the world is waiting for us. <laughs> this was it. So we, I started and it was clear. I wanted to do philosophy. When I started to do philosophy, I started with Fichte and after four. And I thought, is it really that I have to, to take me through these texts we, that, as Simone de Beauvoir said, do not take any point of my own existence? So then I started to go into the history of philosophy and started with Plato, and I read about Diotima. And I saw she was the teacher of Socrates. and this, Then I did my master's degree on Diotima, and I think this was the initial thing in my life. Now, you've written about cutting
1: through the veil of ignorance and rewriting the history of philosophy. Can you tell us a
0: bit about this? I would say from that time on... I could not understand why these famous women, which I knew were in antiquity, And our libraries were full of these texts. And I couldn't understand the disharmony between the existence. And, you know, I think it's also that we in the Continentals are brought up very differently. So analytic philosophy doesn't estimate very highly the history of philosophy. But we in the Continentals are trained very deeply in the history of philosophy so we do greek we do latin we are able to read the text and this is very <laughs> this is a hard scholarship but it also means that the texts from antiquity are as close to us and the languages are as strange to us as it is english you know so if it is english or latin or greek this is the same so i was wondering i was starting to getting wondered why it was not known it seemed that only I knew that there were so many philosophers. I remember when I came, I was then assistant professor lecturer at the University of Cologne for 10 years. And when I entered the the university and the philosophical department, there was a professor of ancient philosophy. And I... Talked about uh, ancient uh, the women in ancient philosophy, and uh, talk. He was a master in, in Plato, but he completely denied what even might feminist philosophers see as problematic points within the philosophy of Plato, the citation on Aspasia and Teotima and so on. But uh, he even had taken notice of that. So it was possible to go and to teach this history without taking notice of that. And this made me really crazy. So this is when I say cutting through the veil of ignorance and rewriting the history of philosophy, I only did rework what I thought that I had learned in my life. Yes. So, yeah. If you want, if you want me now to tell uh, more about uh, what I have written in this uh, essay, should I? Yes, please do. Okay. So many, many years after. And I think there is no philosopher in the world. I didn't talk about that. (laughs) And, yeah, more or less famous philosophers and so on. And uh, so Barry Smith from The Monist gave Karen Green and me the opportunity to do a Monist on that. And Karen Green, who worked also for such a long time and had the endeavor to bring out the women in in uh, from 1600 to 1800 or mostly the English women. So uh, we decided that we have now to present the whole range of women philosophers from antiquity up to the 20th century and we have to break through this veil of ignorance. And yeah, veil of ignorance, I'm saying, because it's only a not knowing. And this is, you know, I think this is for me one of the core philosophical tasks. The people of today think that their world is as it is. They do not understand that, and they think that the ordering of the world is going along to usability of certain concepts or functions. But it is different. It is that if you find yourself in your world and you ask yourself if this world as it is does it the right way and you only have the opportunities to see what you see and you need an opportunity to bring you out from this presence you only have history to understand that there are different ways to live different ideas different ideas and different concepts of how to live brought up in the history of philosophy. And this is so necessary. And all we live in, so our daily living, is a living in ignorance of so many things.
1: So why do you think that the record of work of women philosophers has not really been highly regarded? So uh,
0: it is a difficult question to answer why was this astonishing and tremendous work not highly regarded. First, it is not true in that sense, because we have many women in the history of philosophy that were highly regarded, and this is the part of the ignorance of today. So think of Hypatia In 400, she was the mistress of Platonic Academy in Alexandria. She was highly regarded. She was undoubtedly accepted as the most prominent philosopher in her time, working at the most prominent academy of her time. She was then finally murdered by the Christians and because of her outstanding quality, also because of her... Anti feminism that started to become more and more important at that time. So, this is so first we have to understand that there were outstanding women, only to name a second and a third one. There is Marie de Gournay. She wrote in 1622 a book on the equality of males and females. And she said, The problem of our culture is is a big mistake in philosophy it is that they think god is a male but whoever thinks that god is a male or a female is too dull to do philosophy so And she was very, she was a very honored person. She, uh, Richelieu, paid a pension to her. She was uh, named as a founder of the French Academy, who did not then, in the long run, accept women. And she was highly regarded, so books were dedicated to her. For example, a book from her friend, Gilles Ménage, who discovered in that time the ancient women in philosophy. And he cited 70 women from antiquity, and he asked, why is it that we do not know about women philosophers today? There were so many. And if one is known, like Theano, for example, a Pythagorean, then they always say these women are single phenomena. But they aren't. There is a continuity. And indeed, after Renaissance, when they Re found when they came back to ancient history, these women all took their start and their beginnings by the women in the history of philosophy. But there is also, so speaking about the famous women in the history of philosophy, first, I would like to name a third one who is an outstanding philosopher, and Kant dedicated his first book he published to a problem in an essay she had, risen. So uh, she, even her, Main writing was part of the German canon of the books you have had to read. She was incredibly influential. She was on the top with all the others, and she had quite clear ideas, like the 18th century had, on how the history of philosophy and where it went wrong. She said this history is a history of idolatries, and the obstinacies in this history are carried on by partisanship and I think this is the point. You know, we have a very male culture, we have this problematic idea of a God. So when I talk to theologicians, no theologians denies that God cannot be a female or a male. But nonetheless, the people go to church and say, you're my God and my man and my dominion. So, um, So this, I think this is one of the main problems. And then the enforcing, reinforcing of a culture by the institutions that have the power, you know.
1: So how long have women been creating original contributions to
0: philosophy? I say and I hold that the history of women philosophers stretches as back as far as the history of philosophy itself. One day, when we will not be any longer centered on the european history of philosophy i think we will recover we will discover that in every culture where philosophy was done and you know perhaps not in that institutional sense as it was created by plato and aristotle but women always thought and had their ideas and they brought their ideas to be heard and the ideas of women were heard When the history starts to recollect these ideas, we all understand, oh yes, we always have heard about that. And yes, the names of like Diotima, Aspatia, they were always present in European tradition, always. The 18th century... Have, has created perhaps more paintings of espatia than the than antiquity, although we also she's also honored in antiquity so uh, the creation of original contributions goes back if we have a look now from point of view of the European history from antiquity on we have wonderful writings of the Pythagorean philosophers when i taught the history of philosophy at Cologne University. I did it by blind reading. I compared the text of Plato of, uh, from the Phaedrus to a text of Ezra of Lucania. And it is both on, uh, you know, these are texts on the good and bad and on harmony and on love. And because there is a translation in Germany of the text of ancient Pythagorean women from the 18th century. So this is the fact that we have this continuity to come back and to stress this point again. So I could do this in German translation comparing these two texts. And it was... And then I wanted the students to compare the text, to judge the text, and to say what they preferred. And they usually preferred the text from Azara. Why? The reason was that her text was less Dichotomical. It was more, we even can say, more in the Pythagorean sense on harmony, on equilibrating. And this, we can say, is the woman's voice as we hold it. And it is a different kind of philosophy, although it is on the main topics that philosophy always was occupied with. So uh, the history of women philosophers is old and it stretches back until antiquity, and there are many, many, many original contributions to philosophy.
1: You're listening to Radical Philosophy on Radio 3CR, 8.55am, and I'm speaking to Professor Ruth Hagengruber about the history of women philosophers. What are the benefits in
0: studying the history of women philosophers? So... What are the benefits in studying the history of women philosophers? The benefit is, first, that half of the world is confronted now with a different model of thoughts and can identify oneself that these ideas are worth and have a value to be contributed they are accepted they have these ideas have been present in all our history but it is necessary now to give them also the the word to acknowledge and to uh, recognize these words as the important words as soon as we will have done that and this is the value that will come out so I'm convinced that like in renaissance, in humanism, it will be a new renaissance of, the, of philosophy and hereby it will be a renaissance of the history of human mankind and womankind itself because we rediscover a whole world of ideas and of concepts and we allow to become free now. So many ideas that have not been accepted and have not been added to our world. So I'm convinced that giving now back the history of philosophy also to the women philosophers, we will go through a new renaissance. We will go and evoke a new kind of humanism. And I think, like the first kind of renaissance, contributed a lot to technology, to mechanics. It now, also these women... Will contribute in a new sense in, in a new fields of technology of science, because they have perhaps also uh, different fields of application of these different minds of invention. think of the many inventions women have done and have participated in this world. so I think a new era will come, and I think and this is something that even the nations have to think about if they want to go forward. And I think some nations already have understood that now paying attention to the knowledge of women will benefit the whole nations. And it is even Emily de Chatelet of the 18th century uh, said it. So giving this world back to the women will benefit to the whole humanity.
1: Definitely. I agree with that 100%. Who are some of the famous women philosophers throughout history and can you tell us a little bit about them? Now, you you've, have mentioned a couple, so there's if you could go into some details on some of the ones that you've studied. Uh,
0: yes. When you are asked today, and when I started, to be occupied with the history of women philosophers, I should take part to write a book for schools. And because I was known in Germany to be a scholar of the history of philosophers, they asked me, and writing this school book, there were only theologians, teachers of biology, and they sat down from the publisher uh, to write this book on the history of philosophy. And they asked me, Oh, Mrs. Hagengruber, are there any women in the history of philosophy of importance? If they have had importance, if they were important, we would know them. So and they only knew Xantippe. You know, in Germany they mostly know Xantippe, she's famous as the wife of Socrates. And because she is mentioned, this is also a very important thing, because Socrates says in that text of Xenophon, he says, I'm such a good rhetoric Because I'm trained with my wife, yes, so there are different interpretations to that. But uh, so coming back to the history of women philosophers, as I say... There are many important women in the history of philosophy in antiquity. Think of the fact, which is not well known, that Plato's mother was a well-known Pythagorean philosopher at her time. And we even own the text, one text piece, or two, it's not sure if the second also belongs to her. So you imagine that there is a tradition the most famous at the start of the history of philosophy is surely teano she is said to have been the wife of pythagoras and we know that she was it who institutionalized the pythagorean school and she gave an interpretation to the relation of numbers and uh, entities real entities she was very famous over centuries and it is said that the famous sculpture of classic athens refer they it is not only said but it is documented they refer to her as the founder of the golden measure and uh, so this is let's start with her so then is hypatia hypatia in 400 about uh, the famous leader of the Neoplatonic Academy in Alexandria. And uh, she claimed still that uh, the Earth is turning around the sun, and for her astronomy, which we n- do know only by the letters of her students, and which were rediscovered in the in, uh, 14th century, were very influential for the Copernican turn. So, and also known in that time. Outstanding women come up in the then after the Renaissance. Also, in the Renaissance, there are to be mentioned many of these women. Lucrezia Marinella, who is writing on the nobility of women and the faults of males and so on. But there is a whole and strong movement. This movement was so strong that then the church decided in its counter-reformation the witch burning. It was only nearly in the 15th century when it was already a new high time of proto-feminist movement that this witch burning was uh, institutionalized. Then came the famous, so for me an outstanding value is due to Marie de Gournay because she had, a, she had this clear view into our culture and the paternalistic ideas of metaphysics that had taken over the whole culture, so that there were many, many faults within the history of philosophy itself, because it, the philosophy itself subjected itself to this cultural male idea, surely the most outstanding woman philosopher I adore the most, and I dedicate the most work to it is Emily de Chatelet She lived from seventeen hundred six to seventeen hundred forty nine in Paris, and she went. Against the whole tradition of philosophy. She said Locke is doing a a philosophy of the vulgar because he is claiming that truth is given by the pure, uh, by what we see. You know this she says is a philosophy of the world which is very strong. She opposes the philosophy of Descartes. This philosophy is dogmatic. she renounces to the idea that Descartes was able to give us an idea of a clear and straight thinking and And unveils that this philosophy is backed also by the idea of a God always at the beginning and at the start of his ideas, and that this is not the way how we can do philosophy. She says, philosophy, there is never, we will never reach this peak of knowledge but we all have to contribute to that and it is not that some have it she says also literally there are some absurdities beneath the greatest ideas in aristotle and newton so you all have to read it with your own reasonable consciousness and to accept what it seems to be acceptable she is the she invented a new kind of philosophy she said all knowledge is hypothetical. And she, and she even developed a system of this hypothesis according to the probability law because every meaning is then weightened by a certain probability measure. So I think she's really an outstanding philosopher. But also in the 19th century, there is Harriet Taylor Mill, there is a per, Charles Perkins Gilman, who said very strong and very radical things on women and how women are treated. Charlotte Perkins Gilman, for example, said, if this economy is not rethought and reestablished, it will go down because... um, she said, "Women are kept so stupid that they will poison the family when you do not give knowledge to the women, and you, if you, when you continue to make them so unable to be participants in the market, it is for worse for everybody." So, this is these are very, very strong texts, and of course, in the twentieth century we. See, to my mind, nobody has changed philosophy in the 20th century as Beauvoir and Arendt did. They really changed philosophy in the 20th century and perhaps not so much, we will see, Wittgenstein and others.
1: Well, thank you very much for coming onto the program
0: today. Thank you so much, Beth, for having me.
1: You're listening to Radical Philosophy on 3CR Community Radio, 855 on your AM dial. My name's Louise Richardson-Self and I'm a lecturer in philosophy and gender studies at the University of Tasmania.